I want to talk today for the time that we have. Uh, when we go into fall like this, a lot of times in the summertime, people go on a church search. And of course, with the transition that we're seeing in the body of Christ right now, uh, and I talked about this two weeks ago, everything's up in the air. <clears throat> and I listed three things. If you're in transition, I listed three things when I spoke two weeks ago that I think you'll find very, very helpful on how do you determine what to change. Is one part of your life changing or is the whole thing changing? You know, it's one thing to change jobs. It's another thing to move from here to Tuktoyaktuk to change jobs. Because if you move up there, the whole strata of life changes. I was just talking to a guy this week on the phone who was uh, pastoring in the Northwest Territories. He said, yep, we had our first snow two weeks ago. And <laughs> I actually said, Lord, thank you for that I live in Calgary, in the South. Because up there, they call us the South. But we talked about, you know, how do you determine the degree of change? Sometimes people will sense change in one area, and they'll just change everything. And God's going, no, 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 you ch don't change everything. So uh, let, me, let me recommend that for those of you who are in a, a place where transition is happening, there's things you can use to gauge the degree of that transition. Because what you want to do is make the right transition. God leads us into changes. And when that happens, you want, to, you want to find out. And you know, I thought of this this week. I was actually going to preach again on transition. But I thought of this this week that in transition, one mistake that we make is we change core values. Core values should get stronger over the course of your life, not weaker. Core values. Transition is not the place where you change a core value. Transition is a place where you change a method or you change an action or you change, but, but the Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the div dividing of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. And then it says this, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Same word there, we could translate and say motives. The word is a discerner of the motives. And one of the things that you and I are gonna stand before the Lord, he's not gonna judge all of our actions I mean, they'll be there. He says, we'll be, we'll be rewarded according to works done in the flesh. But what he's going to judge is motives because the Lord looks upon the heart and doesn't look as man looks. So when you go into a transition, one of the best things you can do is boil things back down to what's the motive of my life here? What is the motive of my, what am I trying to accomplish at the core of my life? And if you can do that, it'll sort out decisions that you make. Because once you've got your motive clear, there are certain things that you just know, okay, I'm not ever doing that. I don't ever need to do that. I don't need to go that way. Why? Because my motive of my heart is for this. And of course, your motive comes from your values. What are your core values? And so we're, we're in this place right now. So I, I, I share this with our church about once every two or three years. And I asked this question, and that's what the message is actually called. What is church to you? What is church to you? What do you look for in a church service? Have you ever thought specifically what you look for when you come to church? What, what makes you walk out and say, that was a great service? What makes you walk out at the end of, of two hours and say, man, I like this church? Or walk out and go, hmm, that was nice. Or walk out and go, you know, that's not my cup of tea. How do you determine that? Because if you don't determine that before you go into a church, you can pretty much pick anything out of the air and find out because we, we will conform to culture. We will conform to the culture of something if we don't already have a heavenly culture on the inside that demands something of us that'll get us closer to what Jesus wants us to be like. My wife wrote something, we, <clears throat> we do this in our membership class, years ago. She said, going to church should not be based on the time of your life or convenience or the, how close the church is to where you live. She said it should be based on what will the church do to enhance your calling and your destiny in what God's called you to do in this life. Is the church that you go to going to help you become what God's called you to be? Or is it just going to be something that you go and do you get anything out of it and it's a pat on the back and we thank Jesus that I went to church this week and did my duty? Those are questions we need to ask. 
So what would make you say, I really like this service? I was thinking about this with, you know, we had, we had 800 people last Sunday in the two services. The second service is fuller than this one. And I thought, how many possible variations are there of what people would say that was a great service with each and all of us here? With 800 people, how many variations are there? <clears throat> Somebody would say this, well, I like the worship. Somebody says, I like the word. Somebody said, I like the children's ministry. Somebody says, I like the feel of the church. Somebody says, I like the location. Somebody says, my friends go here. Somebody says, I like the soft chairs. <clears throat> or the free bread that comes out every couple of Sundays. So there are as many different views as there are people. So years ago, we were going through a, a revival, the revival that started um, in, with Rodney Howard Brown and then went to Pensacola and spread around the world. Uh, and, and things were happening in church that were completely different than what I had learned about. And I'd been touched by revival myself personally and experienced, you know, lying on the floor, stuck there like an angel was standing on your chest and couldn't get up. I'm lying there, and of course I'm feeling the presence of God, but I'm, I felt like there was a thousand pounds on me. <clears throat> so I'd experienced that years ago. So when this came, it wasn't new, but when it came, it was the first time that I was the pastor of it happening out here. And so things started to get messed up. And those of you that have been in renewal or revival know what I'm talking about. In the middle of the service, people would be touched by the Holy Spirit and start laughing. Other times we'd have, a, you know, people would come up at the beginning in the worship and they'd, they'd just be worshiping and they'd just lie, they'd, they'd kneel down and lie and worshiping the Lord, as some still do, and, but they wouldn't get up when it was preaching time. And I remember having to walk around bodies and thinking, God, you know, they should be listening to me right now. <laughs> I don't know if he ever said this to me, but it's almost like he whispered, well, actually, they're listening to me right now. And I thought, okay, you win. But I was in, in the middle of all of that, um, I, I had been trying to get a message this one time all week long, and it's Saturday night at 10 o'clock, and uh, <clears throat> we only had one service back then, so I didn't have to get up as early as I do now, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to preach? Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There, there was a, a, a fear of, it was kind of like being happily terrified, because I was excited because I didn't know what was going to happen in church tomorrow. And I was also terrified because I didn't know what was going to happen in church tomorrow. When you're running the show, you want to know what's going to happen. I also remember going through this. I was like, God, what, what are the visitors going to think? Because when all of a sudden something changes and the whole flow of the service changes and it's disruptive... And people that have come, you know, I remember, I remember those days looking out and there'd be a nice family sitting there. And they probably just moved here. And, you know, they're dressed nice and their kids are there and they probably have a good tithe and, and they're checking us out and all those things that you just think of without thinking. And, and then, you know, brother and sister bench bottom get up and start running around the sanctuary in the middle of the praise. And your new people are going... I remember saying, God, what? Help me out here. So I'm, I'm there that night trying to put that message together. And I couldn't get anything, you know. And I'm pulling out old messages, hoping that the juice is on one. You know, pull it out. Yes, that's the one. Nothing. I mean, it was dry as a shuck. And so there I am. And, and I, I'm listening on the inside. And I heard this come up. And I know now it was the Lord. But this came up and it just came up on the inside. What is church? And I remember pushing back, you know, and that's back when we wrote notes. I remember pushing back and going. And I realized it was a little nudge from Holy Spirit. What is church? Now, you guys know this. When the Holy Spirit asks you a question, he, he doesn't need your answer. Right? So, so when he asks a question, it usually means he's about to redefine something you think you know. Right? He's asked you a question, and you're like, well, I know what this is. I've been a pastor for 25 years. Like, this is a no-brainer. But I realized, and I, I went through a whole bunch of things in my mind. I just went, whole, da, 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 da. you know what I came down to? You know what the bottom line was? And I think he probably helped me with it. It's the place where he comes 
if he doesn't come, it could be a movie. It could be a community center. It could be a social club. It could be anything. And see, what he was doing was he was shaking my paradigm in the church. And because I wasn't used to the way he was coming, he had to back me up to his definition of what church was. Because if we all come together and we read out of the word and, and we do all these things, but the, the Lord doesn't come, I mean, if he stays somewhere else, then we've got to stop and go, okay, wait a minute. This is the house of the Lord. But really, it's just the house of all of us because he hasn't been coming. Are you following me? There are some churches that he doesn't go to anymore that still call themselves churches. I found that out. You know, as soon as a church accepts the gender issue, and walks into that, as soon as they do that, the glory departs. I've watched it. I've watched it happen to three denominations over the course of the last 40 years. I watched it happen to the United Church. And it was sad. And then I watched it happen to another one. Now we're seeing it again in this because it's, if you, when, you, when you change a man from being a man and a woman from being a woman, you move away from, and God created them, man and woman, man and woman, male and female, created he them. You move away from that into this no man's land. And so, you know, that's an extreme example. But what, what the Lord said that to me, what is church? And I had to back up and stop and go, okay, so if you don't come, then we've changed what church is. Are you following me? If you don't come. For me then, there's a single clear distinction that determines when God likes the format of a church's services. What is it? His presence can be felt there. His presence can be felt. And I'm going to touch on this in a minute. But we learn to sense his presence. We don't automatically sense his presence. I'll tell you this. The days are coming when the presence will come so strong that people will either run to the front and fall on their faces before him or they will run out the back door of the church not being able to handle it. And we've heard of that happening. It happened in Pensacola. The delivery guys, for those of you that don't know, the revival that was in Pensacola was a salvation revival, but the glory of God was there. The delivery men would come in. The one story that I heard was the UPS guy came in with his package and got halfway through the double doors and started to go, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And he threw the package down and ran out and drove off in his truck. Another guy came in and got slain in the spirit right in the doorway, was walking through the doorway. This is an unsaved delivery guy, comes in, gets slain in the spirit, and the, the door opens up for him, and he falls out in the spirit, and the door closes and keeps going like this because his body's in the way, and the package is lying there on the floor. Well, the church had to adjust to that. What about the one where they were laying, same story, in Pensacola, they were laying hands on people, and the presence of the Lord was touching people, and they were falling out. Dear God, if you, get, if you get messed up by somebody falling out under the power, I mean, give your head a shake. Look at the guys in the Bible that fell out. Ezekiel, Daniel, by the river, the glory of God comes. Boom, down he goes. Moses sees the, he walks into that thick darkness and boom, down he goes. Jesus, they come to get him in the garden. And they said, we seek Jesus. And if you look at the Greek, it says, he said, I am and the Bible says something very interesting. And they all went backwards and fell to the ground. Jesus said two words. What if he said, I am mad? <laughs> so we get messed up when power comes. And I'll explain a, a, a little bit of that. Um, but they were here in Pensacola. They didn't have room in the church because there were so many bodies. So they went outside. And, you know, it's Florida. And so they're laying hands on people. Well, this guy drives by and sees all these bodies laying out in rows, and he thinks there's some kind of a gas leak or there's an explosion. He calls the fire department, and all the fire trucks come over, and they're seeing these people, and they're checking them for pulses, and they're finding out if they're okay. And finally, the preacher said, well, they're all okay, but they're just feeling the presence of God. And the firemen were kind of like, I mean, what do you do with that, right? <laughs> Things that the world thinks are totally weird, but we find in the Bible and we find in the church. I believe that Sunday church is as much about, listen, listen, this is one of my beliefs. I believe that Sunday church is as much about us as a group of people pursuing God together as it is anything else. 
us pursuing him together on Sunday morning. You being willing to follow the worship team into something that's spontaneous, which might not be ringing your bell right now. I'll come back to that here in a minute. The reason we spend time worshiping and time in the word like we do here is to know him better. It's to seek him, to know his heart, and to find his presence. The, the, the purpose statement for this church is releasing life and destiny through the power of his presence. That means that the presence is the number one thing that we seek on Sunday morning. Now, you need to know this, that when, when, when the worship team does what they did this morning, I don't know how many of you sensed it, I felt like when we first started praise, it was hard. It was just like, okay, I didn't want to push in. I start thinking about things in the church, and that's how I know, okay, wait a minute, something's going on here. Instead of focusing on him, I start thinking of, why isn't this sound loud enough? What's wrong with that singer? Why doesn't she have her mic up? Because uh, all those things that I've trained people in doing years ago. And, and so my mind starts to get occupied, and I have to stop it in the middle and go, hey, shut up and worship Jesus. See, because when the, when the anointing's not there as strong, when the anointing's there that we all worship, you get carried in. But when the anointing's not there, and there's a number of reasons for that. It was funny to me that it was either two songs or three this morning that had storms in it, in the midst of the storm. I thought, how many people are going through a storm right now? How many of you are going through a storm right now? It's like, okay, it's a little stormy out. Uh, let me apologize. Because I felt it come up on the inside and I didn't want to interrupt the singers and I thought, we need to have an altar call for people that are going through a storm right now just to get prayer. I was going to call up Clive and, and Coco and, and uh, John and some of the prayers to just come up and just pray, right? Right in the middle of the praise and worship. But then I got logical. Oh, that's my German background, you know. I started getting logical. And I thought, but, but you see, when, when, when they're worshiping and it's not happening, I've given the worship team the right to experiment. You know, try something. See, if, if it's not working and it's hard and it's not flowing like you want it to, then, then you have the right to try something a little different. Sometimes the Holy Spirit... We have to chase him. We have to seek him. And the problem is that when, when we don't, and I've talked to senior pastors, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in a church here coming up in the Maritimes. And I, I, I talked with the pastor a little bit at lunch about you know, things to do with worship and how worship, what worship does and, and how worship opens the heavens and the corporate anointing causes a greater opening and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And, and he says to me, he says, would you meet with my worship team this afternoon? I'm like, no. I said, I wanted to say, no, I haven't prepared for tonight's message. But, but I said, yeah. He took out his phone. He phoned a couple of his lead worship. He said, get the whole worship team over there. This is the church that I'm going to uh, coming up here. Because I started telling him about how do, you, how do you flow? How do you experiment? That the Holy Spirit sometimes, he wants to go over here. And the only way we find that is by, by checking it out. And you know what? <clears throat> sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we try things. Sometimes we'll go, well, let's play this song. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But the Lord said to me years ago, I would rather that you tried by faith and got it wrong than that you didn't try at all and didn't step out and take the risk. And what happens when you don't take the risk, when we don't take the risk, is that we can obviously fall into a pattern. Well, it was like, you know, that was just one of those Sundays. Well, there's truth to that, right? Some Sundays the place rocks. And some Sundays it's like, okay, well, that was nice. It was church. Like we all, we all been in the game long enough to, to know that. But my desire is that we're willing to step out as a congregation and try something to see if it works, to see, okay, Holy Spirit, are you on that? How many times did we sing, oh, right? I mean, we sang it enough that I was thinking, okay, that's enough O's. And again, because I was dealing with that stuff in my mind this morning. So it comes back to what is church? What are you looking for in church? What is it that, that makes you go, all right. And when's the last time that you learned something new in church? And I'm not just talking about the preaching. 
When's the last time that you learned something new in the middle of the worship? Where you felt something of his presence in the middle of the worship that you didn't feel because we define God by our last revelation of him. So are you stuck in your last revelation of God and won't allow him to do something new? Because it's very hard to transition if you're there, if God's trying to transition you. God's highest purpose is not to change our situations and circumstances. It's to change us. <laughs> and we pray for circumstances, right? We pray for situations and we bind it and we loose it and we agree in prayer and we consecrate and we, if you know, like my wife said one time, what'd you do? I said, well, I bound it and it didn't bind. She said, well, then try loosen it. <laughs> There's seven kinds of prayer in the New Testament, you know. Binding doesn't fix it, loose it. Loosen doesn't fix it, pray the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement doesn't fix it, then pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith doesn't get it, then pray the prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration doesn't do it, then call up some intercessors and have the intercessors do it. There's a whole bunch of weapons in the, in the, I think the Lord laughs sometimes when he just watches us go through the grocery list, you know, of things. And, and because we won't let him take us into something new because new things threaten us. It's interesting, whenever heaven comes on the scene, some of you heard me say this before, when, when angels come on the scene, you know what they always say? First thing they say? Fear not. They don't say that because that's the greeting in heaven. Yo, fear not, yeah, fear not, yeah, whoa. They say it because when they show up in the room, people go, ha, ha, People are terrified. Why? Because when heaven comes into the room, there's an opening of something spiritual and supernatural that we don't know what to do with, and your mind goes, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was telling the guys this week uh, of being in an earthquake when I was in Athens, Greece, several years ago. It was 6.6 .6 on the Richter scale. And I'm standing there, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I heard something like a jet flying over, just going, and then the roar started to come like a truck coming down the road. And then it started to sound like a train coming right through the house. The whole thing was just like, oh. And, the, and then the, the wall in front of me, I was standing there looking at the bathtub uh, where the bathroom, and in, in Europe, in a lot of places, they have the hot water tank on the wall. So it's just, it's bad. And I'm standing there and all of a sudden, I start going like this, trying to keep my balance. And the wall in front of me with the water tank is going, woof, woof, woof. My brain had no capacity for that. My brain had no idea. I was going, because I, I, I'd never been in an earthquake and I'm trying to figure out what's happening. And your brain just cycles through answers. Just cycles through, it was a plane. It was a bird, it was a plane. <laughs> it's a train. And then once, when running out of all those things, finally my brain went, chicka, 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 chicka. this is an earthquake. And then I was like, ah! Because I'd never been in an earthquake before. Now, I use that, it's a silly illustration, but I use that because it's the very same thing when the Spirit of God comes into a service. When's the last time that you let the Spirit of God touch you when his presence was sweet so that tears came out your eyes? Men. When's the last time that you let the Spirit of God touch you in a way that you started to laugh? I'm telling you, God is funny. I've had the Lord tell me jokes over the years. I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost tells you a joke, you, it's the funniest thing. It's like, that is so funny. And it keeps coming back, and it'll just bubble up and bubble up. Well, I don't think God tells jokes. Well, just wait till you get to heaven. He'll put you in the joke class. God, you guys, God's funny. And if the joy of the Lord is his strength and he's omnipotent, that means a lot of joy. Yes. Do you see how that works? Yes. Omnipotence, joy of the Lord is his strength. Joy, how much joy? A lot of joy. Yes. Joyful Jesus. Amen. So God's highest purpose isn't to change our circumstances, it's to change us. Now listen to this. That doesn't happen by knowing about him, talking about him, or reading about him. It happens by being with him by experiencing his presence. You know, we spent a lot of years doing good services. The songs were good. The teaching was good. We had nice services. And the only thing that distinguished us occasionally from a good 
solid evangelical church that believes in Jesus and, and you're going to go to heaven when you die was we'd have an occasional altar call and lay hands on people. That was the only thing that distinguished us. And I thought we're, we're and I, I've got nothing against the evangelicals. I got evangelical friends. But when I got zapped by the Holy Ghost, I started to feel his presence in a way that pushed me way beyond all the mental things that I'd put together to create nice services. See, I wanted services where nobody, nobody got messed up. I wanted services that were nice. When you came in, it was nice, and, and the church was clean, and the ushers, we all used to wear suits, and we all looked good, you know, and we were wonderful, and it was a nice service. And then Holy Spirit came. And at first, it scared the bejabbers out of me. Because I was like, wait a minute. I did, <laughs> they didn't teach this in Bible school. They didn't teach in Bible school when you pray for somebody and they launch through the air and fall into the chairs on the front row. You just touch them on, on like that. And they catapult backwards. <laughs> that was fun. I was like, Wow. They didn't teach. You go to pray for people and there's something coming out of your elbows going down through your hands. And you're like, oh, I remember going up to this kid in a prayer line at a youth conference. And my last thought before I laid hands on him was, how long can you stay standing up? Because if what was coming through my arms was what I thought it was, I never even got poor kid. He was only 14. I don't know if it was his first altar call. I walked over to him. I got about two feet away and something went out of my hand, like a blue bolt went out of my hand. Hit that poor kid and the poor little guy. He's just there worshiping Jesus, you know. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Bam! That kid went down on the floor and stayed there for another hour. And I went, because they don't teach you about that in Bible school. I said, Lord, I want that all the time. He said, you can have it more, but you've got to learn how to be with me in my presence. That's only happened to me probably less than a dozen, half a dozen times in 36 years of ministry. Hmm. When his presence started to come in my prayer times during the week, I said to the Lord, I want that presence in Sunday service. Because I realized if, if, if the same presence that I'm feeling in my prayer time, in my, my office, curled up in a ball, crying into a Kleenex and, and a pillow because his presence is so strong, it, it was changing me. And I thought, if we can have you come and do this in church on Sunday, it's not about whether the worship team does good songs or not. And it's not about how good the preacher is. If you'll come and do what with the crew what you're doing in me, all we've got to do is create the, 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 the place for you to come. We create the platform for you to come and stand on. Amen. My heart is so much more that he comes and that we create a place where he can come, that he wants to come to. Amen. There's churches. I, I remember one guy telling the story of uh, he, was a, he was a preacher and they asked him to come and speak at this church. They'd heard of him. This was years ago. They'd heard of him. He came there. This is in the southern states. He came there, and he was a black guy, and it was a white church. When they saw that he was a black guy, they said, we didn't know. So we're sorry, but you can't come in and preach here. So he went out and sat on the front step. Everybody else was in church. He went and sat on the front step. He said, Lord, they won't let me in there. The Lord said, don't feel bad. They haven't let me in there for several years. <laughs> Why? Because that, that twisted mindset stopped the Holy Spirit from coming. So what's your mindset? See, the question that we come back to, what is church? Some of you come because you like the preaching. Some of you come because you like to worship. You, if, we, if you had your way, we'd just worship the whole service. Nobody would preach. Nobody would teach. We'd just be like, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. And you just, because that's part of your nature. You just love to. Others of you don't show up till the worship's almost over. Right, Pastor Clyde? Yep. It's true. You should, you should sit where I sit. I feel for the worship team, you know what? Because they get up and they're just a givener, 
right from 8.30, man. They're just giving her, and there's 55 people out here. And they're giving her just like the place is full. Now, I'm going to pick on you here for a minute, so just, just put on your big boy pants. Well, the worship goes too long here. Well, there's lots of churches you can go to where the worship goes 15 minutes. Why do you come here? Well, I like the preacher. Well, that's nice. We've had, you know, we had the television program for years. And it was broadcast on the Miracle Channel. And it was all across Canada. And, and, and lots of viewers and all that kind of stuff. And the funniest thing was, we would have people come and visit our church. Because they knew we were from Southside Victory Church. So they'd come from Manitoba, Ontario. They'd come out and visit from the Maritimes or from BC. They'd come from all over. And they'd come to the church. And, and because I was always teaching, and there was no worship on the, on the, the um, broadcast, right? It was a half an hour broadcast, and I'd get up and do the same thing every week. Hey, everybody, welcome to Times of Refreshing. So glad you could join us on the broadcast today. I believe God's got something for you today. If you listen, I started out the same way. I did start a couple of them out like Ed Sullivan. <laughs> hey, we got a really good show for you today. We got a really big show, really big show for you today. I just thought I just got to do that for those of you that remember Ed Sullivan. <clears throat> But they'd come in here and we'd be worshiping and we'd worship for 45 minutes to an hour and you could see them going. Why? Because they loved the teaching. They didn't like the worship. I said I'm going to pick on you. I'm still going to. It's the worship that causes the presence to come more than the preaching. Now, I, I found this out years ago. I heard Rodney Howard Brown say this. He said, you can praise the glory down, or you can preach the glory down, or you can pray the glory down. So if praising's not doing it, he said, check and see, are we supposed to pray? If prayer isn't doing it, check and see in your heart. Talking to a, a pastor's conference, he said, check and see in your heart <clears throat> and see, am I supposed to get up and preach? Because there's times when you have a, you know, a service that's nice, the worship's nice and the praise nice, and, blah, 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 and, the, and then you get up and once you start preaching, boy, the juice comes out. I mean, you just preach like a house of fire and scriptures come and you can feel, that, you can feel it in the room that you preached, you preached an opening in the spirit. But the Lord spoke to us many, many years ago. And he said, your worship is going to open things in the city that I've called you to open. And I said, I mean, because, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be unique, but it's also, okay, wait a minute, what, what makes us special? You know, because you don't want to get the big head. Yeah, our worship, we're even hard to get through the door, you know. <clears throat> but again and again, we found that out. People would become a part of our worship team, and the Lord would take them in one year, what four years would have done in another worship team. Because that was part of the calling. It wasn't, wasn't, it's not about who wrought us, it's about the call. What's the call? That if you come into a place and you align with the call and your call aligns with its call, there's a, a synchronization and an expansion of things that happen more quickly spiritually. The Lord told me that years ago when one of our leaders was going through a really hard time. He said, son, I've given your church a grace that what would normally take people five years to go through, they can go through in one year. Growth. And I realized two things as soon as he said that to my heart. I was in Sunday morning, I was praying in my, getting dressed and praying for one of the leaders in the church who was going through a hard time. And I was, I was about to bind the devil. Lord, I just bind the devil over brother so-and-so. And clear as anything on the inside, the Lord said, don't pray that. I said, don't, don't pray to bind the devil over the, he said, it's not the devil. And that's when he spoke to my heart. And he said, what would normally take five years, there's a grace on your church that people can go through in one. And I was like, ooh, because that's good and bad, right? It's good because in a year it's over. It's bad because what you went through for five years got compressed into one year. Right? Don't you love it? I'll give you, for instance, when you get a prophetic word from somebody that says, and the Lord says, I'm going to stretch you and increase you. When somebody says that to me, I'm like, oh. Because being stretched is not comfortable. I believe that church is meant to be a place of encounters. 
Church history shows us the hardest task any church, any group, any denomination has is to stay open and yielded to the ever-changing wind of the Holy Spirit. I was, I was asked to speak to a, a denominational leaders conference uh, just before COVID. It was a, a progressive congregation in the good sense. It was, they were, they were Bible believing, you know, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, standing on the word of God, but they'd also had supernatural things, miracle things. They believed and knew how to use their faith and all those things. So I'm praying and here's these, you know, I mean, it's all their leaders and it was up in Edmonton. They had, it was their, their Canadian conference. I said, God, what am I going to speak on to these guys? He's got many of them have been in the thing longer than I have. And he, I had a little snapshot picture of the, the rise of that particular group's influence in the body of Christ and the, the uh, waning that happened after that. I was like, you're right, because I was part of that whole movement. I said, you're right, it's waned. Waned big time. And then I started to seek the Lord and I said, so what is, what is listen to me, what is the characteristic and I, I challenge you to study a little bit of church history and find out. What is the characteristic of the Spirit of God still being in a movement? Because we got a whack of denominations out there with a whole bunch of different shingles over there saying we're the guys. Right? Every church thinks we're the ones including us. But you, gotta, you have to back up and say, okay, well, what's the distinctive? Where, where, where do we know that God's finger is still there? Now you're looking at me like I was looking at him. Some of you are just going, ka-ching, ka-ching. could be this, could be this, could be this. Some of you are thinking so many things. I'll tell you, because this is what, because I, when I dug into it and I, I, I shared it with them. And I said, do you still have the supernatural happening in your services? Let's start with the simplest thing. Are people still getting born again? I was there when the seeker-friendly movement first came out. I was in a little Pentecostal church in Merritt, B.C. And the thing was, don't have altar calls because you don't want to embarrass people. I remember thinking... Okay, I get that. You know, it's hard when somebody says, if you've never received Jesus, it's hard to put your hand up in a crowd of people like this. And then to say, well, you know, if that's you, why don't you go ahead and stand up? That's hard. So for many of you, you remember when you did that. And you taking that stand did something on the inside. And I'm not, altering, I'm not arguing for or against what, I'm just saying this was the process. And so don't do that because we don't want people to be embarrassed. If you've never, if you know that there's never been a point in your life, listen to me, where you said, Jesus, I open my life and my heart to you today. I give you my life. Whatever you want to do, I give you me today. It's a person to person phone call. It's not a religious structure that, you know, well, we just go to church all the time, and if we go to church, then you go to heaven. It has nothing to do. You can go to church all you want, like I've said so many times. Sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian anymore than sitting in the garage makes you a car. Just because you come here doesn't mean you're holy and doesn't mean you're born again. I hope everybody that's under the sound of my voice this morning, but if you've never been born again, you're not going to heaven. Jesus said, you must be born again. End of the story. When Jesus said it, it's kind of like, okay, there it is. Well, if you've never done that in your life and said, okay, Jesus, I don't understand this born again thing, but whatever I'm supposed to do, and Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Believe God raised him from the dead and confess it. Lord, I believe you died for my sins. And I choose to believe this. I don't understand it all, but I choose to believe it. When you do that, sometimes people feel the change immediately. One guy said to me just recently, he said, it was like a thousand pounds rolled off. It's like all of a sudden, it's just, I couldn't describe it. It's a thousand pounds light. I was like, wow. Other people say, I never felt anything for months. But I started to notice on the inside that things were changing. See, that's supernatural. That's the first step. Well, many churches are good with that. But what about the next one? Because the next one's really a step over the line. We're going to pray for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in a brand new tongue. Which tongue is it going to be? Portuguese? 
No, it's a heavenly tongue. Ah. Uh, <laughs> right? Because right at that moment, at that moment, it's either God, the devil, or foolishness. You're stepping out over the empty void of what's going to come out my mouth. And this is what I said to these guys. I said, do you still have people getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you have altar calls where they come up and they get prayed for? And Do you have that? Because without the supernatural, we become a community of nice people that hear nice messages to make us nicer. If all we have is a community of people that come together to hear messages about how I need to be more like Jesus and all of that is good. I know people that aren't saved that are doing really their best to become more like Jesus because nobody ever told them you can be born from death to life. The power can actually come from the inside out. It doesn't have to come from you trying to be good enough. And you look at it, they're like, what? Yeah, Jesus said you could be born again. Why is it that we are so fearful of the supernatural? Why are we scared of tongues? You guys, we serve the God who created the whole universe. Church should be a place of wonder. We should come in here and in the middle of the worship, things should open up on the inside that go, oh God. There, it should be a place where supernatural things happen by course. If there's really a God who created every molecule and atom of your body, then certainly there should be a place where we can encounter that part of God. I want, I want church to be a place of wonder where the presence of the Lord comes in the middle of the worship and, you, and it's like, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Oh, Lord, why? Because his presence comes. It, it, it's not enough to know about him. I know people that can quote these scriptures backwards and forwards, but it's all up here. Yes. And for many years, I was one of them because that was my job. Know the word. Preach the word in, in season and out. You know, Reprove, rebuke, exhort, as the Holy Spirit leads, Paul said to Timothy. Repuve. And I had all that. But then when his presence started to come, everything changed. Because now all of a sudden, I was in love with this person, and I just wanted this person to come and show up in the service. I said, Lord, you come. To heck with my message, you come. <laughs> he took me up on it. <laughs> I'd start into my message, and I'd get struck dumb. Don't go any further. Some of you are like, yeah, you're any kind of dumb. <laughs> Literally. You heard me tell the story. I won't belabor the point, but I get struck dumb. I couldn't speak. The Holy Spirit was teaching me, and you find it in the scriptures, but I'd try it. I'd get up, and the Holy Spirit, and, and I, I could always shut it off. I could, I could stop and focus and come back to my mind, but he was teaching me the difference between my spirit and my mind. Spirit things flow from here. And what he had to do with me was tell me and teach me and train me through that school of hard knocks and many of you as well. How do you know it's your spirit? What's the difference between your spirit and your brain? How do you tell the difference between your spirit and your brain? How do you tell the difference between what your spirit knows and what your intellect knows? And the only way you can do that is through the scriptures. The Bible says that it's the word of God that discerns between soul and spirit. I got a text this week from somebody. I said, I heard you say something about the soul and the spirit being different and the spirit, and what's the difference between the two? Is the soul and the body, is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the spirit, the soul, and the body? And I said, no, the soul is the mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, your intellect. Some people come in, you know what? If you come into this church and you stay in your mind all the time, you'll never get anything out of the worship. Because the worship is not designed to tickle your mind with all the right words. The worship is designed to find out what the Spirit is doing and pull on your spirit. So there's a demand that's put on your heart to enter in, even in the oh, maybe the worship team knows what to do right there, and maybe they don't. But are you willing to let them find the way instead of drawing back and going, well, this is kind of weird? 
Are you willing to let your spirit go, okay, what am I feeling right now? What, am I feeling God or am I not? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling happy? Am I feeling judgmental? Am I feeling, can you come into church and process that? In order to find out what God's doing. Remember what I said. I wonder if the highest purpose for us on Sunday morning is coming to seek him together and see what he wants to do. If that's the case, then we have to be willing to experiment a little bit. You know, I'll finish with this thought. The Lord, when, when he was leading me through that process of what is church, I sat down, because I had to answer the question, and I, I gave you the part of it's the place where he comes, but I, 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 was, I was sitting there and I thought, what's, now listen to this question. What is sacred in church and what's not? In other words, what's sacred? What's something that God says, no, that one, you don't touch that one, right? It's sacred. It's, it's, it's part of church. So I had to stop and do a study. I thought, okay, what happens when, throughout Scripture, when men and God come to meet? When, when man creates a, a, a service, when man comes to meet with God, I went all the way back to Abraham, and they went through Moses. And then I looked at what they had, and then I looked at in the synagogues. I just went right through. And then I went through modern church history and came to, to today. There was only four things that were sacred. Everything else could be changed. You, you look at this. You look at it in Jesus' ministry. But here's the four things. Because we develop structures it's a human it's a human thing we develop structures because we like it because then everything runs and we know what to do the most successful people are people who have established patterns in their life of things that they do that's just been proven by the you know the seven things that successful people do etc seven habits of highly effective people so so coming that into church then i'm the preacher i'm the one leading the church so i said okay god what's sacred and what's not? Well, he asked me, what's sacred and what's not? There was four things. Number one, in the Bible, all the way through the Bible, all the way through, there was something about the word of God preached. Number two, there was always prayer. Number three, there was always worship and singing. And number four, there was always giving. Because all four of those things touch us in the heart. I thought, my Lord, if there's only those four things, everything else can be adjusted. Everything else can be removed. Everything else can, can change. Well, what's the service format? How long do we go? Well, we go two hours. Some churches go one hour. Some churches go, but you have to come back. Do you get all four of those things in and do all four of those things do something in the spirit? So how adjustable are you? And part of the reason I'm saying this, because I'm asking the question, what is church? How do you define church? Because there's a whole bunch of churches you can go to now that have a whole bunch of different things to offer you. If it's shortness of time, you can go and be in and out in an hour. If it's long services, I was in a place here just the other day and they had a service, their service was over three hours. We were in another part of the building. Why? That's part of their culture. They just go that long. So, so the question comes back to what is church to you? And what makes you feel like you've met with the presence of God? Let's stand. I never even got to my text today. Do you remember when uh, Jacob laid down his head and put a rock for a pillow on his way back to uh, the land of his fathers? Do you remember what happened when the heavens opened and the ladder was there? Everybody know that story? Angels coming and going. Do you remember what he called the place when he woke up? Beth El. The house of El. That was, that was my text this morning. And the first thing that he says when he woke up was, this is the house of God and I did not know it. And he was afraid. 
Do you come in and the worship happens and you don't even know that the Spirit of God is moving? Let me challenge you. Move into that so that you know when God's in the house. I asked you right at the beginning, how many of you felt it was a little bit hard at the beginning? You could tell it was. You could tell by watching these guys. They were working. They were going. But it started to shift a little bit when we were singing that one particular song, and we kept singing the same line, and you could feel it starting to, I, could, I thought, okay, there's a little. You've got to be able to discern the difference between this and this. And my, my ask of you as a congregation is that you're willing to do that, that you push in instead of watching someone else do it so that we can create that corporate opening. Because when everybody starts to worship, then the juice comes and the Holy Spirit comes. Lord, you gave us that, that purpose scripture or that purpose statement years ago that the, the reason for this church is to release life and destiny through the power of your presence. My prayer for our church is that the presence in this church would be strong enough that we would feel it, that we would know you and that we would give place to you. And Lord, especially for myself and our leaders here, my prayer is that we would learn to be sensitive enough to you to follow you when you wanna come in and just change anything or bless people or heal or prophesy or whatever you wanna do. So as a church, we ask you for that and we believe you for it, Father. I pray over you this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. We've got some prayers here this morning. If you want, come up and get prayed for. Remember tonight, 6 o'clock, Leighton's going to be here. And uh, we're having a question and answer time. So if you've got questions for the lawyer, Christian lawyer, come and ask. Bless you. Wonderful week. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us online today. We hope you enjoyed the service. If you'd like more information about Southside Victory Church, download our app from the App Store, follow us on social media, or check out our website at svcf.ca. If you'd like to hear more from Pastor Craig, you can check out www.timesofrefreshing.com or follow Times of Refreshing on social media to see if he's speaking in a city near you. You can connect with the church anytime, give us a phone call or send us an email. Thanks again for joining us in building a community of believers together. We'll see you next week.